Hello and welcome to the Marseille View. My name's Stefan and tonight I'm joined by Ed, Ben and Luca. Hello guys. Bonsoir. Hello again. Yeah, hello everyone. Okay, so tonight, um, what we're going to talk about tonight is we're going to look at the Marseille-Bordeaux game on Friday night. And we'll also look forward to OM Neem the following weekend. And as always, we'll have a run through the recent news stories over the last week. And we'll even take a few questions from listeners. Okay, so um, on Friday night, we Marseille were up against Bordeaux. Um, away from home, and we lost to nothing. Um, guys, what were your thoughts on the game? Uh, well, I think it's the day that the Champions Project died a slow and painful death. It was utter, It was it was pretty dreadful, really. Bordeaux looked like uh, Barcelona on Friday night. We were just nowhere. Bad tactics, bad selection. Just sums us up, really. This whole season's been a farce, and now we might as well just not bother and just tank for the rest of the year. Hmm. Pretty brutal. Do you guys agree? <laughs> <laughs> Luca, go ahead. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'll go sure. After. Okay, you're 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 saving yourself. Okay. Um, yeah, yesterday was really well. No, yesterday actually, <laughs> Friday night. Sorry, um, the game felt like it was just yesterday. Um, it, it it's just re- like like Ed said, it's it's really just a representation of how a whole season has gone, and it, I'm I'm really finding it difficult to draw specific analysis on the game specifically, like players to take. Um, kind of like pick apart the performances and stuff it, I'm really having trouble with this because for me it's it's really the end of of this season and and it's it's just like the season with Mitchell and Anigo where there's seven games left but it might as well be over by now most of the fans are waiting to see what happens in the off season mm-hmm. see who goes who stays who's whether Garcia stays or not and the last seven games really don't seem to matter at all for me Right. Okay. Uh, it's it, it. Well, you say it's like Michel, and then you go. Um, we actually have more defeats this season than we had under Michel. Believe oh. it or not, it's seven, seventeen defeats in all competitions. Um, out out of close to fifty games, that's a third of the games. It's it's unheard of. It's one of our worst runs ever. And that, we'll, we'll dive into the performance afterwards. But I I well for a strange reason, I saw the lineup and I was a bit. You know, I was in two minds. I was a bit frustrated that Balotelli was on the bench, but we'll touch on that later. There, there were reasons for that. Um, I was happy that Radonich was given a, a chance. It probably wasn't the right game, but I thought if you're going to change it now, you might as well give the kids some time and, and let's see him play. I was happy that Payet was brought back in, um, although it was a bit bit sudden. Um, and, and the problem was... That, that it didn't make a bloody difference whatsoever to the way we started the game. We just looked very, very lethargic and we, we're very poor. And, and one of the biggest frustrations was, I, I, well, we, we were watching it, 15, 20 of us in, in a bar in London. And you sort of, we, we got to a point at the 35th minute and we thought, Jesus, Bordeaux have had four shots on target. and We've had one and it was a fluke from a, from a corner. It was a header straight at the keeper from Camara, I believe. From, from there on... I, I was very surprised. Like, I just didn't recognise the team in its configuration because you you have Payet. So I thought automatically the balls are going to go to Payet. He's going to get the ball and he's going to try and create something. But it was just more of the same of passing it around in the back four. And most most of our chances, or <clears throat> sorry, chances, I mean, mo- most of our excursions into the final third in the first half were long balls from Camara or Caleta to the wings 
and Tulvan got a few of them under control and then tried to combine with with um, the, the right back. I think it was, was it Sah who was starting? It was, no, Sakai. it was Sakai. Sorry, so they, they tried to combine a little bit, but it led to nothing. And that, that summed up our first half. It was We were skipping the midfield. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Actually, you mentioned, um, obviously, in the starting lineup, the two additions of Payet and Radonic. But it's it, it really reflects in a way we played, because the only reason why they played is because Balotelli and Ocampos were unable to play. But it doesn't seem like Garcia changed the tactic or the, the team... Kind of the team uh, composition. Right, it's, um, it's hard, it's hard to all. change a tactic when you have, don't have a tactic. You know? Yeah, he, he, he basically... You can't change put, something that isn't there. <laughs> yeah, he put on Balotelli and Radonic, but asked them to play the same roles that Radonic, that Balotelli or Campos played. So he made Radonic play super, super defensive. And obviously that reflected in his very poor decision in defence. And then Payet, if Payet's on the pitch as a number 10, you need to give him the ball and give him the freedom to roam around. But he told him to, to go so far up the pitch that when you look at the heat map, he was basically playing as a as a, like as a lone striker. So mm-hmm. if you're going to put these players on on the starting lineup, you you can't just basically like plug in different players with the same role, not accounting for their their weaknesses and their strength. You have to adapt your game a little bit. And Garcia has just decided, you know what, that he probably knows he's going to get fired. So he put this game on, this team sheet on, and just asked Radonic to do something that he's never done in his entire career. Which is defence, yeah, it was defence. I, I I, felt sorry for the poor lad. It was like um, setting a, a catering student to cook in Gordon Ramsay's three-star Michelin restaurant <laughs> and do a full dinner service because he no, looked was, lost. Um, well, he, he was unlucky on the penalty thing. Oh, because... God, yeah. Uh, look, he thinks Amavi's going to get the ball in his arms. That it's more ball to arm, and look, it's a penalty. Yeah. You can't, you can't argue that. But, but he, he was before that. He, um, he yeah, there was already a dodgy situation yeah, before. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So he was kind of uncomfortable in that sort of defending and that kind of coming back in that area of the pitch. And it just you quickly got a feeling that he shouldn't be there, should he? And, and, and again, he's, it's another example of... It's exactly what Rudy did with him and Calita in the beginning of the season. It's, it's Garcia throwing a youngster in at the deep end, a very tough game away, where we've not won for 40-odd years there. You know that this is this is Bordeaux's cup final, so they're going to go all out for it because it's the only thing that can give them a minimum of, of like credibility in the eyes of their fans. And their fans are always up for this game every season. And you put, you put a young player in a hostile environment with with fucking Amavi behind him, and he's got a cover for this guy. It's it's just not what, possible. What would you suggest though? Because the only other player that plays on the left wing is Clinton and G. Oh, oh I, I don't. I I I would have played Radonich like he did, but but you you can't just ask him to play the same role as Campos. Mm. It, it, you might as well in this case. You might as well not play him at all, because he that you you saw it like you saw it before the mistake that led to the penalty. Like you said, Stefan, he did also make exactly the same mistake and pass the roll the ball right back to Brian, who nearly scored. So you can you can see that he's too nervous on the ball and you can't ask him to to be in those areas where he has to make basically the decision that where if you make a mistake, it's essentially a goal for the opposing team. You, you can't ask him to do these things. So yeah, like if you're gonna ask him to do that, then don't play don't play him, play NG. The thing is with Randy Mist, he's been left out, treated like a loose dog. And then you stick him in the most important game 
He's going to make mistakes. He's going to feel under pressure because he knows that Garcia has given his one big chance. And if he doesn't do well, he screws up. But Clinton and G wouldn't have sold anything. He would have been a bit of pace, thrown a, would have shot a couple of skew with chances, and that would have been it from him. So it's 50 50. But what was Payet doing all night? It was just, again, irrelevant. I don't know. I, I, I quite, in the second half, I thought Payet looked, looked like he was kind of coming to life a bit and he was starting to, you know, Put, put balls forward he was starting to kind of you know make moves and then he got taken off I felt disappointed I really wanted to see him stay on the pitch he he did okay but um, after the chance that Kamara had from a corner his set pieces were awful awful and, and that is the one thing you rely on him mm. for if there's one thing you think Payet is going to be consistent at it's, it's pretty decent delivery from a set piece or at least some combinations or, you know, fire it all the way to the far post so someone can head it back across or anything. And it, it just looked like put it in the box and hope for the best. It, it was a bit grim. But in the second half, yeah, as you say, even Adonich in the second half came a bit to life on his left wing and they tried some combinations. It was a bit better for the first 20 minutes of the first half, but just not good enough. You, you, you can try and you can you can try and put some enthusiasm and say, right, you know, right, we're 1-0 down at half-time. It could be worse. It could also be better. Let's go for it in the second half. But it's it, it's not good enough, and that's the problem with Gasset. He, he, he tends to rely on the players to pick themselves up and, and just keep going, keep trying the same thing. It will eventually pay off instead of mixing it up. Yeah. Um, actually, um, one other player that I thought was worth talking about um on, from Friday's game was Kamara. He didn't have the best game, did he? He got caught out quite a few times. I well, noticed. Yeah, I think when you when you look at a player's performance, and he he on that second goal, he just got eaten alive by Debreville, who has hasn't scored in what two three months. Then that that retells you enough to say that he was really having a really bad night that day. But it's. He, it shouldn't be up to a 19-year-old to pick up the team, especially in a game like this where the pressure is on from the home fans and, again, from, on Marseille as well because everyone knows. And he, and Kamara said it in his press conference. He said, you know, it's been 43 years. You know, it'll be crazy. It'll be amazing to win. So they can feel the pressure. And, of course, it is, it is to be expected that you young players are, are going to be a little bit like deer in headlights. Um, it, it, for me... Yes, when you look at his particular performance, you can criticise his play, especially on that second goal, he should have done better. But I, I, I don't think it is the right solution to, to kind of to like Hawkeye, Hawkeye on his performance and try to pick apart what he's been doing wrong because it's, yeah, it's, he, he's really been left alone. Exactly, he's he, he's one of the ones that you sort of give some give some sort of you know tolerance to for his performances. He's young, he's still learning, and and God forbid he will keep progressing and he will learn from his mistakes. But he wasn't helped by the midfield. I I just didn't understand the first half why we were skipping the midfield. You especially seen as treatment started, which I found interesting as well. I, I finally I thought wow we're away from home, and he's starting. Streetman, who you think will, will put his foot on the ball and try and take ownership of the game a bit, but the problem was as soon as we got the goal, the ball back, he. I, I remember a few occasions in the first half where he came in front of the back four, and he was literally pointing to his feet, saying, "Give it to me. I'll, I'll spray it forward or I'll pick a pass." And they were just 
looking at him and, and panicking a little bit and skipping the whole the whole midfield stage and you, you can't blame them because it's an adjustment when you're used to having Sanson who doesn't come and ask for the ball to feet who usually you know he's usually he's usually looking forward and waiting for the pass to come to him and then he does something and and it they just look lost they just look like yeah. they'd never played together before yeah and I mean be beyond them looking lost and I think you can really see that in you could really see that in Radonic and Payet's face it wasn't just them being confused as to what Garcia was wanting them to do. You could see like some kind of like anger, but like not the kind of anger that makes you kind of push yourself harder and harder. Like when Paya came off, he just looked like you know saying like you know what fuck you guys, you doing this to me like whatever, do whatever you want. And on the second goal, they they showed they put the camera on Payet's face and he just he just looked so angry at, at Garcia and the whole teams like saying. You can see in his eyes, he's asking himself, like, what am I doing here anymore? I, I, I don't know if you guys would agree, but um, looking at the game on Friday night and in a lot of the, the games this season, I I personally kind of have come to the conclusion that I don't think it's a... I'm not blaming the individual players. I, I think there's something wrong collectively. There's something wrong with the dressing room. Oh, no, I, it, I, it is systemic. You're right. It's systemic. It's a system problem. And I'm not even in the performance like on Friday night. Like I don't think that like Strutman was terrible or Pai was Pai was terrible or maybe Tovan wasn't great, right? But but most of the players I don't feel like their individual performances were that terrible. I just feel like generally as a collective they just lack the kind of the drive and the hunger at the moment. They just feel kind of like they've got sort of the life has been zapped out of them. Yeah, for, I think for most they- of the young players, I. I think for the rest of the season now, the, the young players that I'm just not gonna kind of pull any conclusion out of their real level, like Radonich and stuff, and even Sanson. You know what? I, I'm happily keep him and try to see how it works out with a different coach. If hopefully we get a different coach, but um, yeah, like you're you're right. I, apart from the older players like Payet and sometimes Strootman as well. Um, you know, when you're old enough, I'm expecting you to even with bad management to try to pull the team up. Um, with the young players, I'm completely holding out now and I'm waiting until the the friendlies next season and the start of next season to make a proper judgment as to how they're doing. Yeah, I think Kamara got left behind by the senior players. He should have been backing him up and giving him more time to think about when the border attackers were coming. But I agree with you, Steph. The dressing room just doesn't seem settled. I don't know... I don't know whether it's something to do with Mali. I don't know whether it's to do with management. I don't know if they're all still hung over from the Europa League final, which... If it's the case, get over it, lads. It's nearly 12 months. Um, I just don't know what's going on. It's just... Who's who's the problem? Is it Turban? Is it Payet? Are they in different camps? What's going on? It's the manager. It's the la- there is a lack of leadership. And I, I say the manager, it, it starts from the top. And, you know, Ero isn't leading it. And... You know, it's all wishy-washy, you know, oh, we've won a few games, let's do a Viber session and let's let's have some social media engagement with the fans. And then, oh shit, we lose a few games, he, he disappears off the face of the earth. So that, that stems from the top and, you know, it, it is what it is, Ed, you're, you're right. It, there, I think there is a dressing room problem. We've all read the, the, the articles about so-called frustrations with different players' salaries and people not being happy that Streetman came in as, as Garcia's golden boy and all this shit, but... Screw that! You, you're fucking professionals. You're, you're supposed to get on with it, guys. You know, you, you, you're just supposed to do your job. And the senior players are supposed to go, as, as Lucas said, 
it's a bit you can't compare it to Zidane and Turan when they came back in, into the France team when Dominic was in charge ahead of the World Cup 2006 but they both came back in the team and they took ownership and they said for fuck's sake we're not going to embarrass ourselves and not qualify for a World Cup we're going to run the team and, and nobody's doing that. that I agree with that it just seems like well with Strootman coming I think there was a lot of issues but you know if you're going to be petty for fuck's sake get it sorted out and talk it out like men you're not under-12 football players who are arguing over where we should go after the game for dinner. Get on with it. You're being paid more money than most people would dream of. Get on the pitch, wear the shirt. If you don't want to, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, but the, the problem is that nobody knows where they stand. Like, you, you talk about Garcia and Aero, but now there's another factor we're going to talk about as well. Even Zuba Zarata might leave. Nobody knows who's going to be there next season. Nobody knows whether, like, the philosophy of the club, where we're heading next season. So yeah, how are you expecting driving? the players to, to, like, naturally, like, you're asking an employee to come to work and give their best performance, but they have no idea whether the manager, direction is going to leave, whether they're going to be sacked, whether they're going to be moved, loaned or anything. So the whole atmosphere is toxic and you can literally see it because we're losing, we lost 2-0 against Bordeaux. We, we conceded two goals against Bordeaux. And they, like you said, Ben, last podcast, Bordeaux has scored six goals in the last nine games and somehow they find a way to score two goals against us and quite frankly they deserve to score both goals yeah we, we gave them to him we gave them to him um I, I guess look we've analyzed the shit out of this poor performance um I, I'm pleasantly surprised that Steve Mondonda had one of his best games in a long time <laughs> he did yeah he, <laughs> We've yeah, like been criticised him a lot recently. He pulled off some, a few good saves, in the, especially in the, in the first half, didn't he? Yeah, it did. It, I thought, when he made a save early on, I thought, oh, good save. And then it started piling up. I thought, oh, crap. You know, it's it's like, kind of funny. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. It's like, it, was like a, it was like a horrible training session for him. And I feel like, yeah, we do give a lot of stick to Steve on there. And I feel... It's not right to. I don't like giving criticism to this to him because I think he's a club legend. But he played well against Bordeaux. But the, sh- did, yeah. the, sh- the shame of it is he has not done this in the early part of the season. I think that the biggest irony I draw from it is Payet comes back in the starting eleven after ten games play. He, he must have played the maximum of forty-five minutes across the last ten games because he usually gets put on for the last ten or the last five or something. Payet comes back into the team, gets the armband back straight away. Suddenly, Mondanda, it looked like he was relieved almost from, from a weight on his shoulders. And, and the irony is that he came back to the club and he moaned about him not getting the armband back and him, him being the most experienced player and all of this. And suddenly he gets it back. He has a very poor run of form. And the minute it's taken off him, he has a very good game. Quite hmm. ironic. Hmm. Um, just one uh, another player actually I thought it was worth mentioning. I know we've talked about him before, but he had another poor performance. It was Jordan Amavi. Um, he's kind of running out of time, isn't he, with the summer coming up? I, I'm getting the feeling that if he doesn't improve quickly, he, he could find himself on his way out. Oh yeah, the, the second goal. I, um, oh no, sorry, it wasn't the ball game. I'm, I'm thinking about the second Angers goal, um, where he just passes straight to the striker and then he goes on for a penalty. It, it, he's just game game in and game out. Amavi is just like you're asking. You're not even a professional player at this point. Like who who would you sell him to? Who would you loan him out to? You know, he he his positioning, 
His, his attacking yeah. is, is awful. But he was awful. a good player before. I mean, there's something's that there's something not right there. How he could go? I mean, he got injured in any. But before he got injured, he was very, very good. He but was you, very you good. good. You say good player, but look, he started off at Nice with potential, which was decent. He went to Aston Villa. He was good. He was look, very good before he got injured, and then he yeah, he did he did all right at Villa. But there's a reason Villa got relegated. It's because they conceded, I think, one of the highest totals in, in the Premier League for a bottom three team ever conceded. And then yeah, he, but that's because the team was shit, was it not? They and were they... shit, but we, we and they were utterly shit. You've got to recall that we we brought this guy in from a team from the second division in England, and and he had a few. He had a good run, and he had a, his first six months were pretty decent at Marseille, and then as you say, he got injured. But it's a mental thing. Some players just aren't cut out for the top mm. level. I think that's the thing, though. I I don't, I don't think that I don't believe that Jordan Amavi isn't good enough. I think he's got the ability, and we've seen it in games where he's there's been matches where he's defended well as well as attacked well um, but he's just all over the place for much of the last year now and I, there's something it's a mental thing I don't think it's anything to do with his actual quality yeah but the mental mental aspect when, when when did he get injured I think it was what January of 2018 so it's nearly been a year and a half now that we haven't seen the good Amavi so yeah, but I, like, do you not blame how, the how manager for that? Don't you blame the manager for that? A, a good manager should be able to work with players on an individual basis and help them get back to the level that they should be at if they're not performing. But yeah, man but, I mean, to man management to defend to defend Garcia to defend Garcia for for Mavi at least. I feel like Garcia's tried everything. He tried leaving him on for games on end, and he tried to like kind of try to shock him into working harder by putting Sakai instead of him by even putting Kamara instead of him and it still doesn't work it's, what, what is Gus supposed to do at this point? Well he, he fucked up because he loaned out the only competition that we had which was one of our youngsters but, but He and, was and not again, really competition though was he? He was no, never never in a mix and, 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 But it's back to the, to your point that we, we knew this was potentially a problem going into the summer we didn't fix it and then we didn't fix it again in January. So, uh, yeah, it is what it is. It's it's too late. He's he's gone too far now, and and the poor lad is is just completely mentally broken. It's a confidence thing. I think he needs to leave. There's no way back for him at Marseille. That he'll never get back to the good Amavi. I think we just need to to off- offload him. But that's going to be another player that we just have to put on sales because we obviously who wants him? Who would possibly want Amavi? Yeah, I'm um, going back to the game though. Um, on Friday night's game, because we talked about the two, um, you know, the two dodgy sort of defend defensive moments from Radonic, but again, both those moments were Radonic coming back from the left side to help out at the back, and Jordan Amavi wasn't around. Well, yeah, but I think that's that's Garcia's tactic. Because when you look at the the previous games, sometimes we all we played five at the back with Ocampos as a as a left wing back, and then Amavi in that same position. So knowing that you have Radonjic instead of Ocampos, then you should have just told Amavi to play more laterally. But like that again, that that's not. I don't think that's Amavi's fault necessarily. I think he's playing just like he's been playing for the last three games, except that behind him is not Ocampos, who all spends his life defending. It's Radonic, who clearly has got no confidence and is really nervous under pressure. Yeah, he, he was exposed. It's, the fact of the matter is he was left exposed by Ocampos' absence. 
I don't know if there's any much more we want to say about this match. If we want to move on and forget, hopefully. Um, so I, I, think... I, I guess so. The, the last thing we should cover off is is this Balotelli situation that seems to be developing. Yeah. Um, he he got Pablo sent off. That was gamesmanship, you know. Pablo clearly stepped out of line, but now there's a situation brewing where Balotelli obviously provoked him, and there was some physical contact. We'll see what happens, but. Beyond beyond that incident, the, the news stories surfacing over the last couple of days that Balotelli ruled himself out of the game. Apparently, it seems to be because he just didn't fucking fancy it. Jesus oh Christ. my fucking god! Wait, did, I don't, Jesus Christ! I haven't read. I haven't obviously. I haven't read exactly what you're saying, but I have heard that that he did that at Nice for the away games. He put. He, he said that he was ill. That he faked an injury quite a few times for away games because he couldn't be bothered to actually play there. So, so I, I would I, actually believe that. I, I don't watch often the objective match um, YouTube segments that they do. They're quite short. I think they're like two minutes long ahead of ahead of every game. But they did one on Friday, on uh, Thursday, I think. And he sort of he he seemed to pull up slightly, and he just you know accomplished. You could tell was clearly in pain. Balotelli just went and lied down and the physio was there stretching him out. And then the, the, you've got the, the voiceover just goes, oh, it feels like everything's against us. You know, for bloody hell, we're going away to, the, to one of the toughest places we can go away in our history. We never win there. And, and the gods are against us. Two of our top oh. performers are injured. And it's like, Jesus, guys, how, how many excuses are you preparing in advance? You know, that's, that's just typical defeatist attitude. It sounds like objective map from what you told me, Ben, sounds like something you'd find on North Korean television. It seems like something what Frank McCourt said, right, write this down, write this down, so everything's okay. You know, everything's against us. You know, it's, for goodness sake, it's been 42 years now since we've beaten Bordeaux at home. I'm tired of this. Why are the players saying, right, look, the top Marseille teams of the past never did this. Let's make our own name in history. Let's go and beat these guys. Clearly, we all decided, nah, that's just all fake. Yeah, but it's, like, it's the wrong season for it. Look, you look at the calendar and the Lebrano games we had left three, three or four weeks ago. I'd already crossed this match off. I, I just knew that given our current form and our current season, we wouldn't be up for it. Last year last year was was the opportunity. And then it was actually one of, one of I think Zombo fucked up and passed the ball to De Prévy, who, who went on to score in the first 10 minutes. And then we equalised at last minute through Sanson. And last season was the season where we were on form and we went there as, as a scary team and, and you thought, right, we could do it if we play our own game. This season, I'd already crossed this game off. I'd written it off. Mm. Well, yeah, and, and obviously that, that, I mean, people people always, and like I'm, I'm like that as well, you know, I'm looking ahead of the schedule and I'm like, we should beat this team, we, could, we should beat this team, we should beat this team, we should beat this team. But it seems like the whole squad and the whole staff is just written up this whole season because you can see again we, we've lost against Bordeaux and the players had three days of rest they were given three days of rest and against Angers we drew and they got three days of rest again it's just like how they're being rewarded I think Gus is just you know he just doesn't care anymore and like we're going to talk about Nîmes but they just have three days of rest as a reward for the game against Bordeaux in one, what mindset are you are you telling them? Are you putting them in this game for? Mm. Right. So, um, just la- last thing I want to mention about the game, um, there's, and it was one of the questions that was sent in by one of our listeners, Phyllis. It was about Tovan's comments after the game. He made some really quite shocking, but very realist, 
um, comments, defeatist comments about Marseille's where they were the performance and the Champions League hopes. Um, what did you make of the comments that he made? I will just say this to him. I know it sounds defeatist, but credit where credit's due. He's being honest, being truthful. If he's not bullshitting, he's not coming off saying, "Ah, we'll be all right. We've got a few games coming up. We might just get get it if all if the bad other teams that have bad luck." He's been honest. He's been credible. I think he's going. I think he'll be off to Milan. But you've left a bit late, Flo. Why didn't you come out early part of the first half of the season and say, look, I'm not with it? It's just, why leave it so late? Mm. Well, it, 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 you know, it's a squad politics thing. We know how football teams work. And if you go out like that against the manager, as a player like Tovar, who's, who's supposed to be in the shop window, he's not doing himself many favours in his last five, six games. He's been awful. But he's, he's supposed to be... You know, he's supposed to be putting himself in the shop window. If to, to be fair, that is the one thing I respect about this season is, yes, I, I don't respect Gasser's bullshit analysis as we got folks by the referee, that's why we lost. But I, I do respect to an extent the fact that no player has come out and publicly tried to, to put a hand grenade in the press and said, oh yeah, with facts, you know, there's no point hoping for anything. Um, so it's, he's, he's been sticking to the script. I think many players have been sticking to the scripts up until now. He's had enough. We've all had enough. I think he's, as you say, Ed, I respect him for saying what everybody's thinking, the fans and, and probably many of the players. But look, it is it is what it is. We're at that point now where things are going to start to come out and, and we're going to know the truth of what's been going on. Although we already know somewhat, somehow, we already suspect what's been fucking up. Hmm. Yeah, um, it's, it's. I think there's two parts of me when I, when I heard this. The first bit was just like you guys when I was like, oh, you know what? I was expecting him to go like, you know, we still have seven day, seven games left. You know, we're going to take them game at a time. So I was like, oh, it's quite refreshing for him to actually say that. But then I was like, after I was like looking at some of the some of the tweets about it and stuff, I was just like, wait, it's Tobin saying that he's one of the leaders of the team. He should have done so much more before. He's he's one of them. Like I know he scored a lot of goals this season, but he's one of the main reasons why we're doing that shit. He didn't lead the team when he was supposed to. He's been he's, playing awful in the build-up of plays. It's like, what he's, he's not the leader, about, though. He's not the leader. And, and we're back to this this situation of the Hadonich analysis earlier, where who else do you put in on his position? He's He's got he's got no competition in his position, so he's not going to go very far. He's not going to go put, get, get put on the bench. So it's one of those where his confidence and his momentum has completely fallen apart. And it is what it is. It, 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 we've arrived at this point because he's not a leader. That's the mistake people are making. He he doesn't lead. He relies on others. And he's always been sticking, hanging off of the coattails, coattails of other players. And and maybe, for all we know, we don't know this for sure, but there is a historic, very poor relationship between him and Payet. Yeah. I agree with your comments, guys, um, that his, I, initially I felt that what he was saying was very honest and... I couldn't disagree with him, but then I also sort of felt that as a whether or not he's a leader in the dressing room or not, but as a player of Marseille and he's speaking to the media, he should be. We've got seven games. We're going to fight for every match, and we're going to do the best we can. He shouldn't be saying. I, th- I think it's not great for the fans to hear a player sounding so defeated and having such little belief. Because why, why, why the fuck should the fans go to the game then if the players are like, yeah, we, we, we're shit. What's the point? You know, even if we qualify for Europe, we'll be shit anyway. You know, I don't think that really helps. Um, you I, I, as a fan, you want 
to get behind players that are, you know, have a never say die attitude and they're going to fight to wear that jersey no matter what, even how regardless of how shit we're playing. You know, so uh, that, I think uh, yeah. that, that's how yes, that's yes. how far it's gotten. That's how far it's gotten. Yes, but Steph, you have to have a you have to sense of realism, and I think Florian, Florian's just realised it's going to shit. Let's just call it as it is. Hmm. Right. So, um, looking forward to uh, next week's match against Nîmes. We're at home on Saturday. Um, do you think that we are going to get a good result in this match? Well, I think that's a nice bridge going from Thomas Commons to this game. <laughs> is how are you expecting anyone to believe that we're going to do anything against Nîmes? Who, as we've seen the, in the first leg, they're, they're going to fight with their weapons, which is cheap shots, diving, and a lot of physicality. And they're going to encounter a Marseille team that's completely lethargic and that, that they don't even believe in it anymore. Like so, no. Like I'm just uh, like Tova at this point. I'm, I'm. You know what? I'm. We're probably gonna draw. Probably gonna lose. Whatever. It doesn't matter. The, the, we're probably not gonna make it to Europe League uh, places, and we don't and, deserve it from this. And, and look, beyond the context of the game itself, um, on a side note, and this, this is this is endemic to France. You would never see this in the Premier League. I am fuming that Nîmes who fought to come up to the to Liga on last season from the second division, played their hearts out all season, still have a chance of staying up. I am furious that their fans have been banned from coming to this game. It is, it is disgraceful. Really bad. Why are they banned uh, from coming to the game? Just because the security feels... Yeah, the usual, the usual bullshit, as always. Okay. If, it, if it's identified oh. as a high-risk derby, potentially... Between two games, between sorry, between two cities that have a rivalry and it's a local region, all that shit. I don't think it's um, like that though, is it really? Because well, it's, it's, any excuse is good in France, you know. I don't they think just use is, it. It, is it a high risk derby. I mean, yeah, but uh, look, look at this. We we went to Nice with no fans, and we went to Paris with no fans because not, not buying okay. that. You know, like my I'm, my, my, it's my, French my dad, it's my dad politics. and my family are from Nîmes, and most of the people in that area, a lot of them love Marseille. I don't think I don't expect. I to be a hostile. No, I'm not, and again, and I think again, it's I'm not like two, them. two, two clubs that probably have a lot of respect, you know? Like, but, yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. I, I, it's not them. It's not the, the Nîmes fans' fault or the Marseille fans' fault. It's it's the people in charge's fault and the man saying, nah, you know what? Nah, oh, there's, there's yellow vest protest and all mm. this shit. Nah, you know, might as well ban the fans. We, let's let's not deal with that shit. And it's it's very disappointing because a lot of Nîmes fans would have been looking forward to this all yeah. season. It, it's it's heartbreaking, it really yeah. is. High um, high risk high risk my ass. That's all I've got to say. Um, yeah, Nîmes played us off the park when we went to theirs. Now we've got to go and play them at the Velodrome. You know, Puma might as well make a fourth kit, make us all look like clowns because that's what we've been playing like. <laughs> Roll, it's, it is going to be like one great big circus. Rudy is the circus master. Pyre and Turvan jumping through hoops. You know, it's going to be full of lions. I love the fans. You know, it's we might as well just have the Velodrome customised as one great big tent. Oh, don't don't talk about the Velodrome's customization, mate. <laughs> yeah. That's a very bad subject. That's well. That's one thing that I'm hoping from this game is I'm I'm really hoping there's going to be a lot of people at the stadium and there's going to be like a mass protest again. You know, one of those. You know, when they're trying to make like like make fun of the whole direction. Do you remember with the the Benny Hill music? Yeah, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, that was goats. class. 
Uh, well, it's, it's getting to that time, is, isn't it? Um, it's, it's probably it's due. Well, not that it's due, but it's getting to that time that. Well, look, look. If, if yeah, if if the Lyon fans are doing it already, considering they've got a boulevard to maybe finish second, and and we're not doing it, we fucking hell, we can't let the Lyon fans beat us on that aspect. Yeah, it seems between <laughs> Lyon, Lille, and, and Marseille, it's like compared to last season when literally the the Monaco, Marseille, and Lyon were winning every single game, and it was literally the the two best teams who went on Champions League spots. This season between Lyon, Lille, and, and Marseille, it's literally which which is the worst the team that's doing the worst or is the most ridiculous this whole season that isn't going to drop out of Champions League spots. None of them. None of them deserve to be in Champions League next season, but you just have to have someone. Okay. Um, right, guys, so I want your um, predicted score lines for Saturday's match. Ed, do you want to go first? 2-0 uh, names, and there'll be a riot at full time. Luca? Yeah, actually, yeah, 2-0 name. Yeah, I, I was I was going for I think it'll be a, a very controversial 1-1, um, and, and it'll be... Yeah, it'll it'll be a typical derby where it'll end one one, maybe a sending off, and and nobody will be none the wiser as to any either team situation after the game. Okay. Yeah, but that's what we thought against Bordeaux. That's what we predicted against Bordeaux, and then we got completely rolled. So I'm expecting the same against Nîmes. I'm, okay. I'm expecting the same game as Angers. Okay, I'm I'm actually going to be a bit more positive this time, and I, I actually think we'll win. I think we'll come away with a. Two one victory. Um, that's my prediction, and I'm uh, I'm usually quite negative um, about these things, but I don't know. I just I I, I think Marcy will probably at home. I feel like they can get put together, and they they should hopefully be um, a little bit um, charged, a bit more charged for this game, given it's a home game. It's against a relatively local club, you know, is is uh, from the south of France, not far. Yeah, I hope I hope that they'll they'll um, approach it with a more um, positive and fiery attitude. Um, so yeah, I'm hopeful. Um, Nîmes shouldn't be underestimated though. They are 11 with 40 points. Absolutely, like, they're only eight points away from us at this point. Like it's not that far away from us. Yeah, and 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 a win against those guarantees them staying in league on. So they will be well up for this game. Anyway, so I think we'll move on um, and just want to talk a bit briefly about some of the news stories in the last week. Um, the first one, obviously, um, I just, we've kind of touched upon it, well, some of these issues already, but just about Garcia. I, I noticed that after the Bordeaux game, quite a number of high-profile French football pundits and journalists all came out attacking Garcia. Um, you know, and a lot of them PSG fans worth mentioning. You know, people like Riolo, Menes, um, Rotan, I think as well. Um, do you think that? Well, I, I think I know your answer to this, but do you think um, this is justified? And do you think that it will have the new media pressure will have an impact on how Garcia and the team perform for the rest of the season? Absolutely not. Well, I mean, obviously, I want Garza to leave, but after I think after all the pressure from the fans that we've had over the last like the last winter, and he's still here, I don't think that Menez and Riolo saying things on uh, RMC or Canal Plus is going to change anything to what how Garcia is is thinking at the moment. He's just thinking to cash in the checks until what the twenty fifth of May, 
and then just leaving with a big big bag of cash. He doesn't care. I, I wholeheartedly think he doesn't give a fuck anymore. How, how many Luca. days are left on the countdown, Luca? I, I didn't update it. I didn't update it. I think it's 25th well, of May. Well, it was 53 last week and we're about eight days later, so you must be about... Around 45, yeah. 45, 44 days. Anyone else get any thoughts you want to add to that? Uh, well, it wouldn't... It wouldn't uh... You know, it wouldn't change Rudy's opinion if Bernard Tappy stood on top of the Notre Dame with a megaphone shouting F off you um, near the velodrome. It won't change anything. Uh, he just wants to pay check, wants to get out of here and go on holiday. That's all he wants to do. Okay. So, um, just wanted to also look at another story that came up. Um, Zuby Zeretta. Um, so, his future is kind of looking a bit uncertain. And in the last week, we saw him linked to Arsenal. For um, There's a vacant direct sort of sport position in, at Arsenal. Do you think that we could lose him to Arsenal or to someone else? Well, it, it's a hard... Yeah, it, I agree with that, yes. But it, 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 as, as disconcerting as it is, and this, this again goes back to something we touched on for the last few weeks where we don't have a fucking clue what he's been doing for the last 18 months. But, but if a club like Arsenal is willing to come in for him, he must be doing something. Someone must be aware of what he's doing. I, you've got to, you can't ignore obviously the Emery, you know, the Spanish connection with Emery, who's a Spanish manager, and, and who wants someone above him. Who, I mean, they wanted Munchie, they didn't get Munchie, so he obviously wants someone to come in who's going to get on with, and he's going to he's going to have a, a common language with, um, not just not just spoken language wise, but also football wise. Um, I, I, you know, let it be a shame. But again, if he goes, fair play to him. He, look, we, we've we've obviously not taken advantage of the fact we brought him on, which is a big mistake. But um, on the flip side, um, you know, we we know what Marseille and and the um, you know Anigo did it a few times, where he leveraged his relationships with the press to make himself more important and to gain a position of power. Um, I'm I'm going to be a bit optimistic here and, and think that he's calling the club's bluff and someone's leaks this deliberately, and he's calling the club's bluff and saying, right, I've got offers on the table, guys. What the fuck's going to happen next season? Because if I don't get my own way, then I can quite easily walk out of here and have a better job. And I hope that's what's going on. What do you think he wants, though? I think he wants more decision, more 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 of a voice in the actual recruitment of professional the professional players. Because there's been so many reports of of him off like scouting players and offering them to Garcia and and Garcia and Aero, and then they, they've just been completely bounced back. And then even that rumor that he he handpicked Radonic, and the reason why he's not Radonic is not getting game time is because Garcia did not want him. So he must. Uh, I don't know just over that one. That wall. I don't know over that because I, I remember when he Radonic came, Garcia said that he. You know, um, approved yeah, of his Roma, coming. Yeah, yeah, he, he had him at Roma as a youth player, but again, it, it stinks of the Doria Bielsa situation. It, yeah, it, it, Lucas, right? It, it does smell familiar. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I, 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 that, that one, I think that that's just journalists making up stories. But I mean, I definitely agree that there was, and I think I mentioned this before. There's, there's so many examples of players in the last couple of years that apparently Zuby Zareta was pushing. To sign and Garcia vetoed them. Nicola Pepe is the one that kind of stands out. Um, there's been a pretty much a big mistake 
Um, but several others, I think, if I if I recall. Sorry. On Zubazarda question, I think if he leaves now, it, it would have just it would just leave a big interrogation mark as to where we're going to do with the 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 youth system because mm. not only have we not seen what he's done and the, like obviously the, we haven't reaped the benefits of what he's done, but then you're going to have to completely restructure all of the men that he's put in place and you're going to have to hire someone else. And it's going to set yourself, your whole project back another two, three years. And quite frankly, we don't have that time anymore. We, we need to have continuity in the youth system. We need to have a clear direction in the youth system. Otherwise, if you change every three years, it, like you're going to have to rebuild every time from scratch because you have to hire like more scouts. Because right now, um, it's not just Zubi Zareta. He's got, he hired someone before when he joined with a scouting system. And obviously, we haven't seen we haven't seen any evidence of it. But if it leaves now, then you're gonna to have to hire everyone again. Mm. Yeah, and then look at look at exactly what you've just said, and you you sort of think, Jesus, if the guy's been building that over over two years, as you say, who's going to come in? And we we know how it works at Marseille, where a new man comes in and automatically assumes the power. But hey, it is, Ed, Ed, say your piece, and I'll, I'll close this subject off. Ed, you go for it. Yeah, sure. Um... I think it's another stain on the champion's project if we lose him. You know, champion director, he did a good job at Barcelona. To lose him to Arsenal would be a... It would be catastrophic, but I wouldn't blame him. Arsenal have got better players than us. They've got better management. They don't have a pig-headed coach who thinks he's Bertie Big Bollocks. Uh, Unai Emery's a good manager. Unai Emery's a very good manager. I mean, yesterday's result didn't reflect it, but, you know... Offer him what he wants. If he wants forty million to make a player, make a player that he wants, and get, get him over for whatever club, you give it to him. He knows what he's doing. You don't, Rudy. You don't, John Jack. You don't, Frank. Let this man run wild. Yeah, I guess, I guess the the the, the, concluded, the concluding matter on that is my big my big worry is if he goes and if it comes to the surface, which it will do, it always does at this club. Uh, the, he actually did good work in the background and nobody's nobody's seen it and it's been invisible work and he's laid foundations. If he goes and and the whole, you know, you sort of base the whole kickoff of the OM Champions projects on the fact that we were able to attract someone of his calibre, because I was a lot more excited about him joining than Garcia. I thought mm. Garcia was, mm. was a doorstop. Um, if he goes, who the folk can you convince to come in, especially if that leaves... If that leaves Garcia and Nero in place to maybe salvage salvage their, their little credibility they have left, who the fuck is who, who has his reputation is going to want to work with those two? I don't know because um, I remember when um, Zubi Zareta came in, um, he, a lot of people, Barcelona fans, weren't weren't convinced by him. He signed a lot of players that flopped, you know, like Vermalen, Alex Song. It's, it's Barcelona. Um, I know, I know, I know but he was it, he he. He wasn't very popular amongst a lot of fans, although he signed Neymar. But I mean, anyone could have spotted Neymar. Um, but yeah, he signed a lot of players that over uh, over a few seasons that weren't that convincing. Um, and I'd love to, I'd love to have those flops though. Yeah, but I'd give my I, right arm to have those. I had my doubts about him. I mean, I'm not saying that he's not done a good job because you quite rightfully pointed out that he, he it's very possible that he's done a, he's laid a lot of foundations in terms of the youth teams and um, you know like having a kind of new, especially coming from clubs like 
Barcelona and Bilbao that uh, have a very strong connection with the football club and the local people and have a history of producing local quality local players. So hopefully he's brought that what he's learned from those clubs and brought that to Marseille and in the long term we might see the benefits of it but he might not be around to actually enjoy that and get the you know the reap the rewards of it get the credit for it but um in terms of what you're saying is who would you like coming in if he goes I'd quite fancy and same with the president as well the two guys from Nice um Fournier and um Rivier is that his name Rivier yeah um yeah. those two president and sporting director I just think that they signed a lot of good players with limited funds and we know that going forward we're probably going to have less money to invest um, given that we've spent a fortune in the last couple of years on players that have got no sell-on value and we're probably going to have to sell off what we can um, I just think that a couple of guys that know how to do some smart canny business that know league and well um, and are, um, are able to um, take risks on young young talented players that would be my pick yeah but, I, I but who, who are those people who are those people and and would they want to, as, as Luca said would they want to walk into this this hornet's nest really Pro- probably not they're probably too sensible why why, <laughs> why would they want to leave an outfit that's done well over the past few years to join an outfit that's looked more like a plane crash over the past few years. It's it's not logical if you I get think, what I mean. I thought they'd already yeah, but, left. But one one thing stems one thing stems from the other. If you if you clear out and you get rid of at least Garcia, and you say to whoever you're bringing in or to Zuby, and you say, look, you've got free reign. We fucked it up. We've we've learned our lesson. We're not going to do the same mistake the second time round. We're the reason we want a sporting director is because he's going to overrule the manager and say, no, we're going to sign this young player because he's got potential and we can make money off him in a couple of years. Then fine. But if, if that doesn't change, then there's, there's no point. There's no point. Yeah, that's true. I do, I do think that, that Zubizarreta's future is linked with what's going to happen with Garcia next season. I think if Garcia stays, Zubizarreta is out for sure. But I think if Garcia is out, and Zubizarreta will have some more kind of space in a decision-making room. And, and, and that's what I mean. feel a lot more comfortable about, about the next few seasons. That, that's what I mean. I think, he's, I think he's, he's, he's learned the art of the Marseille way, which is to leak a few things to the press and, and express his discontent indirectly. Yeah. And hopefully it leads to him getting powers that, and hopefully he produces. Okay, um, right, so um, I think we'll move on from that one. Um, and the next story that I wanted to look at was um, the links to ma- the manager's post, which was Rafa Benitez. I know he's denied since that he's um, in any talks with any French clubs, but he was linked with um, a potential move to Ligue 1. Marseille and Lyon, I think, were the two clubs that were mentioned. Would you want Rafa Benitez as uh, a replacement for Rudy Garcia? Yes, I would, I, because... If you think about it, he's a Champions League winner. He's done a good job with Newcastle, I think, on what he's been given. I mean, Mike Ashley's not exactly given him much. He's like, Rafa's had to play tug-of-war against an elephant at Newcastle. And I think if he can do what he can do at Newcastle, then let's give him a job at Marseille. Why not? Hmm. Okay. Anyone Anything else? will do. Anything will do. I, I, want, I want some more... Some more fresher, fresh blood. I, I can't, I can't do leftovers anymore. It's it's, it's a horrible draw. Real Madrid. Yes, he's all right at Newcastle, but it's it's not it's not who I want to see. I, I want some young. I want someone who, with with a philosophy of play, is an attacking philosophy of play, 
that that's wants to take like take charge of the club and work with Zubizarreta and then the youth system and, and not just a coach that that obviously he's got a name for himself and he's going to want to have results straight away. That means he's going to want confirmed players with experience. I want a younger coach who's who's has the freedom to try new things and try his own philosophy. Um, then, then, then Rafa Benitez. I mean, do we not have any other ideas? But it, it, I, to bounce off what you've just said, it comes down to the context. If we finish the season with no European Cup and we need to rebuild, yes, I, I, I would bring him on just because you know that he's consistent. That I think, just, as Ed said, yes, he's had. You've you said because well, he's had shit results at Inter. He had shit results at Real Madrid. Probably a step too high from him. I think he's learned that. In, in the smaller clubs, or, well, not the smaller clubs, but in clubs similar to ours when he took them over, such as Liverpool, for example, who were a sleeping giant, and he laid the foundations. If, if he comes in and, and he lays foundations, you've got to remember, this is the guy, and this is, you know, this is yesterday's football money in, in yesterday's transfer market, but he's the guy who, um, I, I, I remember reading this at the time, Chelsea had extensively scouted Fernando Torres and they opted for Drogba and ultimately they did make the right decision at the time. But he, he's the man who said, right, let's go all out for Torres. He'll smash it in the Premier League. And he went on to become, a, he's one of the Premier League's top 10 strikers ever. Hmm. He, he went on to smash it. So if he comes in and we're in a dire situation, he will stabilise the ship. And I think Zubi Zaretta knows that he'll be able to work with him. And they'll both agree on taking a couple of gam- gambles on hopefully some La Liga youngsters or some La Liga players. Um, not not Santi Cazorla, but similarly to Santi Cazorla, who've, who've been a bit globetrotters and who know who know football. Um, but if, if we finish a bit higher, I agree with Luca that... Yes, ideally you want someone with ambition who's who's going to have a plan for three years and not not a plan to stabilise. Okay, right. So um, yeah, I would um, agree with Luca there. Actually, I, I feel like Rafa Benitez is a was a manager of for ten fifteen years ago, and I think his his um, tactical approach, a bit like Mourinho, is just. It's not very positive and it's a little bit outdated. I think he's the kind of manager that even maybe more than 10, 15 years ago would have worked in 90s Serie A. I just feel like now he's not dynamic enough for the modern game. But, um, I mean, if he comes, he's probably going to be an improvement on what we've got right now. So you, may, you never know. Maybe maybe he'd do pretty well. But I, I think we're in a situation similar to United post-Mourinho where anybody that comes in is just going to lift the team because they're going to feel relieved that Garcia and the negativity is gone and they're going to think they, they're all starting from a clean, clean sh- slate. But well, let's, um, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. So um, one other story worth mentioning was, uh, and it's um, a rumour about a potential departure, uh, Luis Gustavo, he's not been playing a lot recently. Um, there was suggestions that he could move on to China in the summer. Um, would you be sad to see him go if he does? I'll, I'll start and then I'll be quiet. But um, again, it follows on from what I said last week. This guy has 50-plus games in the Champions League. He's won the Champions League. He's he's won in, in three different clubs in Germany, the, the National League. This is the guy that you should be building around. Okay. And the fact is that, we, as, as it's happened all too often in this club... Top players have been played out of position or have been put in in unfavourable context 
and it's completely fucked them over mentally and and they've lost interest not just because of the manager but because they've also observed the teammates around them in in the context of last season where it was going well and everybody was was playing probably 20% above their actual level like Ocampos and NG and, and Mitroglou and Germain who were actually doing all right but they, they were overperforming and the thing is he's now witnessed the flip side of the coin which is the complete opposite and all of them all of the infighting all of the the shit mentality of oh he's getting paid more than me that pisses me off I'm not I'm not going to put my foot in if he's getting paid more than me I thought I had a status here and and I wouldn't blame him if he goes, but I would be devastated if we'd missed the the fact that we were very lucky to get him. He he was a he was a very good transfer last summer under the radar, came out of nowhere. He was amazing last season. He's had difficulties this season, but he's the type of guy that you wouldn't write off. You'd think that with the right manager, he could bounce back. And if we lose him, I'd be devastated. Yeah, I, I don't know where Gustavo actually stands on it. I, I don't really get a lot of... I don't get the same vibe from as from Payet, where Payet, I'm pretty sure he's going to leave. But Gustavo, I, you know, it hasn't been a lot of leaks saying that he is definitely leaving or he's definitely staying. You can tell that he's angry about the whole situation and the fact that he's obviously being played at the wrong position again and again and again this season. But... I don't know. I mean, next season, the midfield is going to look like Streetman, Sanson, Lopez and Gustavo again. And with Lopez obviously getting the um, being a little bit of a fan favourite because he's homegrown talent. He's really fighting with Sanson and Streetman and it feels like yeah, he might be the one to go. And uh, Out of those four, I'd rather Sanson go. That, well, yeah, obviously. I'd rather Sanson go, but you, you, I, I don't know. I think in, in the eye of... of Obviously, the public, he's kind of being played against Strootman, you know, you kind of, he's kind of being compared because they're both internationals um, that played in World Cups and they're obviously very, very uh, renowned. Um, and Strootman is not going to leave. Um, and obviously, I don't know, it's, I don't know where to stand with Gustavo. And, and my, my problem is, is this season is we've actually left, we're leaving the season with more questions than we entered it with. Like at the start of the season, we had, in our heads, we had Gustavo and Strootman in midfield, and that was like our midfield sorted for the next two, three seasons. And now neither of them are playing well. We don't know who's going to start next season, and it's, well, who's going to stay that, either? That comes down to a tactical thing where, where Le Rudy tweaks the system to somehow try and fit Gustavo in, and sorry, try and fit Strootman in, and, and it's affects the whole system and the whole balance of the team. It, 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 as you say, there's more questions than there are cert- certainties. Ed, what are your thoughts? Do you, would you be upset to see Gustavo um, leave? I would actually, I think it'd be a tragedy for this club if we were to lose uh, Luis Gustavo. I think last season he was a beast, let's be honest for ourselves. He was a worldie in the mid. He was the Berlin Wall in the way. Um, I don't know. I think when you've been playing at centre-back, you're... You, your mood is going to drop, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does go. But this team should have been built around him. He's experienced. He's been to World Cups. He's won the big, big competition. The Champions League. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Build it around him, for goodness' sake. Why are you letting, you know, Sonson be the t- man you build the team around? 
build it around Luis, and then he'll guide you through it. But that, but that's but, not Sanson's fault. It's it's Gatia's no, fault. I'm not saying it's Sanson's fault. I'm saying Rudy's built it around Morgan Sanson or his golden boy Streetman. Gustavo should have been the man you put everything around. The man who you would have thought he can lead us there. He could lead us to the Europa League. He could lead us to the Champions League. Lead us possibly, lead us possibly to a cup final if we hadn't gone out so early. He could have led us. And to get rid of him now, after one season, where we've stuck him at the centre-back like some dying dog, is disgusting. And the management <laughs> should be ashamed of themselves for what they've done. This is disgrace. This is, this is a skillful man. A skillful midfielder, and you're kicking him in the face every and, time you play at the centre back. <laughs> and, and, and experience, and experience, <laughs> um, experience. Yeah. So I think we all we're all agreeing that we'd we'd like him to stay. Um, I I actually um, I think I do think like this, this kind of. Rem- I know the situation is completely different, but it it, re- it reminds me a little bit of a couple of seasons ago when that we had um, Lasana Giara played. One season, he was absolutely fantastic, just on a different level from the rest of the team for much of that season. And then the next season, he wasn't really there, and then he was gone. You know, um, so um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like different well, context. It's a different context, different but it's this, it's this, he had a similar impact in that he was the man that was rolling his socks up, getting the job done that season, and he he was the leader like Gustavo was last season. Um, what will probably happen is that someone else will they'll, 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 he'll move on and they'll bring in someone else to to fulfil that role. And that's all. That's always a big possibility when you bring in players like that that are at that kind of stage of their career, kind of thirties, early th- you know, thirty, thirty one, thirty two. Um, you're not going to get. You're not necessarily going to get them for a long time. You might get them for one or two seasons. Um, and then they then they might need to move on. They might not be able to sustain that level. But he he. He he was sold on the challenge when he joined, and and that challenge was out last season and dissipated this season. And then you sort of go, what a waste! What a waste of it! And it it's down to tactical decisions, though. And it's it's the same the the, the same amount of wastage when you spend. Well, Balotelli was a free transfer, but we're paying the bloke five hundred grand the month, and you've got one of the top assists men in Europe, which is Dimitri Payet, on your fucking bench. Who's created as many chances as Mesut Ozil in the last five years in the top five European leagues, and he did it in the Premier League, but that's a, it was different back then. But and they've not played together, and you saw that. That's when you've got to look at the manager and go, Rudy, fuck's sake, we've signed the striker on five hundred grand a month, and you're not you're not paying you're not playing the player who's had uh, he's amongst the top five assists in Europe for the last seasons, which is Dimitri Payet. They've never played together, so it's, it it is down to tactical decisions ruining the mentality and and ultimately the motivation of the of these experienced players that's what it comes down to and it's perhaps, management perhaps i mean that's not the point I, I was i was trying to make it's just really about i see there's a there's there's a little bit of a parallel in that you've got someone that comes in for a short period that's so influential and then has moved on really um it become what well, becomes you know, not influential if that's the right way to say it at all. And in such a short period of time, they beat their importance is kind of diminished very quickly, um, and then they move on. I'm just, that's just the parallel that I was trying to make is that we've kind of had a similar experience in recent seasons. Um, yeah, but if you if you if you take it back to the history of the clubs, Gustavo over the last you know we, we've all been supporting this club for a long time, Gustavo. Is the first player in midfield. Lassana Jara, the writing was on the wall. 
Well, he was always going to be in it for the money and to try and get himself a lasting contract to pay off his fine. Gustavo, for me, is is the spirit of Lorik Sana, which is a player that we had in our midfield for five or six years. He was consistent. He was the spirit and, and the, the fucking captain and leader of the team in terms of this is the way we play at this club. This is the level that's expected of you. And, and Gustavo is the first one for me who channeled that spirit in the long time we're going to piss all over. Well, we've pissed all over him because of our manager, and and we're going to see him leave well, for China. We don't know China. because Can we don't. We don't know because Garcia might not be there next season. It's very that's a strong likelihood. So we don't know what's going to happen, and it all depends on if the manager changes who comes exactly. in in the summer. Um, exactly. Hopefully, it's salvageable. Hopefully. Right. So, a um, couple other very very quickly. Um, things to cover just to finish off um, it's not really a big deal but I've, I noticed that they haven't um, this, this, the contract with Orange um, finishes I think at the end of the season they don't have a shirt sponsor for next season yet they're still in negotiations about that we had a similar issue a couple of seasons back where we ended up playing half the season I think last year without a sponsor um, is that a problem Is that do you think that's important or um, or, and do you think that it suggests that there's a lack of organisation around some of these sort of basic things? Well, actually, following on from your question with a question, the the fact that Orange is not will not be with us next year does that mean we get the name of the stadium goes back to the, the Velodrome? I don't know. I wondered that as well. No, but I'm not sure. No, I don't no, think that, so. that, that's a separate con- that's a separate sponsorship contract. They have the naming rights for the Velodrome for the next six years, I believe. Oh. So. It, I think it, I think it's a and, and you've got to bear in mind that the recent marketing campaign, which has been to redecorate the stadium and all that stuff, has orange velodrome in every sentence. So I, I don't think it has an impact on that. Um, I, I think maybe it's a poker thing where orange are waiting to see what happens with with the manager and where we finish if we qualify for Europe to probably renegotiate whatever they pay in terms of sponsoring the shirt. I would imagine that is the case. It's happened everywhere else. But we'll see. A club like Marseille is, is it, we won't be with other sponsors. Someone will step in. But the question is, how, how much, how many benefits and how much money will we reap from that? Well, that depends on how we do between now and the end of the season. Well, there is a possibility that since Fly Emirates have left PSG because they're signing with a hotel, that Fly Emirates might actually go to Marseille. And that could actually reap us a lot of money. Yeah, that's what I I had read before was that Fly Emirates might be a potential potentially new sponsor. I just need to make sure I pick up the new shirt without the sponsor. Yeah. Well, a lot yeah, of, a lot of fans actually complained about that orange sponsor, you know, showing up on the Awful. with the white and the blue, the light Ugh. blue. Just it, it kind of it stands out a lot. So um, a lot of fans have been really unhappy with that. But seeing seeing that, a lot of fans were always complaining about the the Intersport um, sponsor as well for similar reasons, saying that it kind of ruined the strips. Anyway, so Ed, Ed, what were you going to say? Well, Fly Emirates sponsor Hamburg, and look where they are, are, second division. Let's not look into this too much. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that point that Marseille fans do moan about kits quite a lot. I can remember last season, that purple kit that Adidas produced, it was disgusting. They were screaming about that. That was awful. It was was disgusting, but... Who bought that? 
every season, you, like, though, every season we we seem to produce one absolute stinker of a kit. <laughs> well, who, whoever bought that must have run out of toilet paper and ran to Intersport and thought, right, there we go, sorted. <laughs> Jesus, mate. I do think that we should at some point have an episode where we just talk about old kits. What, just review our Marseille kits? Yeah. Yeah, post photos. Yeah, well, I've got, I, I don't have many ugly ones. I must admit, one of my favourites ever is the the kit from the season we win the league with Lucho and Young, the Champions League kit, the black mm-hmm. one. That, I think yeah. that is that is one of the last ones I paid over a hundred euros for to get the Champions League badge on it. And fucking, I'll believe this or not, I I put Cheru on the back, not Lucho. <laughs> I don't know why, but um. No, it, it's we, we do choice. we do have some. Well, it is what it is. He was a club servant at the time, a, a long time club servant. But Jesus, as you say, it's the, look the sponsorship issue is wholly dependent on where we finish in the league, if we qualify for the Europa League or not. It, it's it, it's not a big deal for me because you would expect that whoever comes in next will have. Well, I, I say whoever comes in next because another story was that the uh, the. The director general of um, marketing, I think, has walked out. Is it a guy called Richard? His surname is Richard. He's he's walked out. He's officially resigned because of lack of um, results, but also lack of listening to all the things he wanted to implement, which is also interesting. So maybe that's yeah, that part of the interesting. Problem. Yeah. Um. Actually, one one of the reasons, just to finish off there, why I mentioned that um thing about not having a sponsor was when we didn't have the sponsor last season. Um, a lot of people were saying that we, it, well, the several months of the year of the season, we weren't getting any income from any sponsorship, so it impacts our finances. And there was a parallel made last year with Valencia a few seasons back, where they did they played without a sponsor, and when they had new owners, and it, it contributed apparently. I'd read to a lack of income in, in the project. It's funny you mentioned Valencia. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Valencia. I don't, you guys have probably seen this in the news. They're being sued by DC Comics for using a bat as their logo. Oh, really? Wow. They've wow. had it's the like bat on their logo. That's exactly. Crazy. So they, they responded and saying, yeah, Batman came out in 1930-something. We Our clubs existed since the 1800s. Go fuck yourselves. Too right. Well, <laughs> too right. <laughs> The, the reason why they're suing is not not just because of the bat, it's because there's been a lot of, with obviously Batray coming, there was a lot of um, communication uh, based on yeah, Batman Bats as well. Batsman, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think they did try to put like a little bit of a Batman spin on it, and that's, I think that's what they're suing for, but it's ridiculous anyway. Yeah, right. Um, guys, I think we'll just finish off tonight, actually. I think we've kind of covered everything we, we needed to cover tonight. Um, thank you very much for taking part. Cheers. All right. Oh, thanks, guys, and thanks again Cheers. to the listeners. And um, yeah, sorry, sorry, guys, for being negative, but um, I think I'm yeah. sure you guys all feel the same way. <laughs> There's yeah. not much, not much to to cheer about, yeah, unfortunately. Hopefully, this week. in in the coming weeks, hopefully, we we see a bit clearer on the plans for next season and. That would be nice if we could have some visibility on what's going to come next season and, and we could actually discuss that and be a bit more optimistic about what's what's in store for us. But until then, <laughs> you're stuck with us and our negativity. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, we're not going to we're not going to sugarcoat it. So you know, you get no bullshit around here. Um, absolutely, I agree with that, Ben. I think over the coming weeks um, in the games, even if the results, whether they pick up or not, I think there's a lot of um, discussions that we can start having about um, what you know the future, the season ahead, going into the summer, the Mercato, all these things. So um, hopefully, we'll 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 have some 
interesting um, and positive ideals as well to, to play around with. But anyway, thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for taking part, guys. Cheers, oh, guys. And Cheers, do, do not forget to Cheers, rate, everyone. review, and subscribe on iTunes if you're following <laughs> us on on your on your phone on your iPhone. Please, thank you. Uh, and and criticize, yeah. Feedback <laughs> is welcome. Feedback is welcome, guys. Come on. Please don't Nick, please don't take note of my heavy breathing. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Good night. <laughs>